We are up to mitzvah number 120, and today we're going to do mitzvah number 120 and mitzvah number 121. And you recall that these mitzvahs follow chronologically in the Torah. And right now we are at the beginning of the book of Leviticus. So there are a lot of mitzvahs that relate to sacrifices that we're going to be covering. And we know there are various different types of sacrifices and all kinds of different circumstances that a person will be obligated to offer a sacrifice. We already spoke about certain kinds of sacrifices. And now the current subject is what's known as a karban chatas, a sin offering. And there are two mitzvahs, mitzvah number 120, that's the communal sin offering. If the whole community does a sin, there's a certain sacrifice that's brought, and that's the communal sin offering. And then there's mitzvah number 21, which is the individual sin offering. And we're going to start with 121, and then we'll go to 120, kind of build our way from the individual who commits a sin that warrants, that mandates that to bring a sin offering, and we'll go to mitzvah number twenty. Afterwards, and that's the communal sin offering. So if someone commits a crime against God, there are various different crimes that we have against God, and we call them sins. And there are 248 positive mitzvahs, and there are 365 negative mitzvahs, restrictions, prohibitions, transgressions. And if someone, God forbid, transgresses the will of the Almighty, They have to rectify it. They have to cleanse it. They have to remove the impact, the blemish of that misdeed from their soul. And one of the ways that's done is via repentance, of course, via prayer, via the whole atonement process, the whole confession with repentance, etc. And part of it's done with the sacrifice as well. And if someone does a sin on purpose, of course, that has one degree of severity, But even if someone does a sin by accident, it was inadvertent, it was a mistake, nevertheless, because they violated the will of God, they have to repent and atone and cleanse for what they did. And our mitzvah, the sin offering, is specifically by a certain type of transgression, when it's done inadvertently, and the type of transgression that is featured in this mitzvah is that if someone were to do it willfully, if someone were to do this on purpose, it would have very harsh severity. It would be considered karis. They would get cut off. They would get disenfranchised from the Jewish people. It's a very severe sin. But they did it by accident. They did it by accident. Now, what does it mean they did it by accident? What's the definition of an inadvertent sin? So the way it's framed in the Talmud is like this. Either someone is not aware that this action is prohibited, so they don't know the law, or they do know the law, but they don't know the circumstances. So, for example, Shabbos is one of these mitzvahs that has this criteria. If someone on purpose, God forbid, violates the Shabbos, that carries with it the punishment of karis, of disenfranchisement. Now, if someone does that by accident, in one of the following two ways, they would be liable to bring a sin offering to bring a carbon chatas. Example number one, they're not aware it's Shabbos. They think it's Tuesday. And they know all the laws of Shabbos. They know all the laws of Shabbos. They're fully aware that if it was Shabbos, this would be prohibited. But they think it's Tuesday. And they're baking bread. 
or they're going hunting, or they're plowing the field, or they're planting the field. One of the things they cannot do on Shabbos. And they forgot it's Shabbos. They thought it was a regular day. It was a mistake. They violated the Shabbos, a transgression that carries with it the penalty of kares, but they did it inadvertently, then they are required, as in mitzvah number 21, 121 that is, to bring an individual sin offering. That's example number one. Example number two is that they are aware that it's Shabbos. They know it's Shabbos. They're dressed in their Shabbos finest. But they don't know that this particular action is prohibited on Shabbos. They don't know that you're not allowed to bake on Shabbos. They don't know that you're not allowed to plow the field, plant the field, winnow, select, etc. One of the 39 categories of work on Shabbos. They're not aware of it. They know it's Shabbos. They don't know that the circumstance, that the action that they're doing is a violation of Shabbos. That would be another example of an inadvertent transgression that would mandate mitzvah number 121 and an individual sin offering. Now, if someone's completely unaware of what they're doing, and it's totally mindless, the example that they give is that we know that you're not allowed to pick a fruit on Shabbos. You know, sever a fruit that's still attached to the tree on Shabbos. So the person or a fruit or a vegetable is attached to the ground or grasses that are attached to the ground. The person thinks that the fruit is detached from its source. And they just say, oh, I want to have some food. So they grab it and they want to start munching on it. Lo and behold, the fruit, the vegetable is in fact still attached. So they're not not even aware that they're doing something. That is a different category, not our category of mitzvah number 21. Now, the did I say 21? I meant 121 if I said 21. Now, there are many, many details, myriad details of sacrifices. And this is what's called a fixed sacrifice and not a variable sacrifice. Now, that makes no sense to us because we have not yet gotten to the subject, to the concept of variable sacrifices, but soon we'll talk about the concept of variable sacrifices where someone does something that mandates to bring a sacrifice, but the type of sacrifice is variable based upon their income or their wealth. This one is not dependent on someone's wealth and material standing, and it's a fixed sacrifice. Irrespective of the wealth of the person who has to bring the sacrifice, they must bring this sort of sacrifice, and there's no variability to it. Now, as we know, with every mitzvah, we try to understand the rationale for the mitzvah. What's the reason for the mitzvah? Of course, the ultimate reason for all the mitzvahs is it's the will of the Almighty. And we don't really know why he wants what he wants. And there may be other reasons that he has for it. And it may be totally beyond human intellect. But to the best of our ability, we are encouraged, and our sages already establish a precedent for this, we are encouraged to try to understand on our level what the benefit of a mitzvah is. And when it comes to sacrifices, the Sefer Chinuch, which is the book that we are using to navigate through the Sichon 13 mitzvahs, he tells us that all sacrifices are really rooted in the concept of repentance. When a person makes a decision, chooses a course of action, follows one set of options and not the other, Invariably, they fall into two camps. There's the agenda of the body, and then there's the agenda of the soul. There's the agenda of this world, the physical world, 
And then there's the agenda of the spiritual world, the eternal world. And every mitzvah is an example of a person choosing in a given scenario, in a given circumstance. Every mitzvah is a person choosing to favor the agenda of the soul, the agenda of the spiritual world, over the agenda of the body and over the agenda of the physical, transient world, temporary world. And the physicality is captured by our animalistic sense. We know that we have a body, we have a soul. But really, our body, it's like an animal. It's very physical. It's its very coarse spiritually. And it's even worse than an animal because humans are capable of doing things that animals can't even dream of. And our soul is more elevated than an angel. And our soul is capable of things that angels can't dream of. And Moshe, of course, is the greatest human we've ever seen. He's able to ascend to heaven, transition to the heavenly sphere, negotiate with angels, overcome, override angels. Where does that come from? We all have that within us because we all have have a soul. But the mixture, the fusion, that causes all the problems. That causes all the confusion. That causes all the uncertainty and the doubt and the deliberations and dilemmas that we all have in our lives and those paths that are at every step of our life. When you take an animal and you sacrifice it and you slaughter it and you dedicate it to God, that is an act of you choosing to take your own animalistic self, your own physicality, your own bodily instinctiveness and to slaughter it and to dedicate it to God. And that's the reason for this mitzvah, says the Sefer Chinuch. You take your physicality, which is the root of all your mistakes. All of our mistakes really are us favoring to be a body over a soul, favoring this world over the next world, favoring our animalistic halves over our angelic halves. A sacrifice is to kind of reorient, recalibrate ourselves, to take our physicality, our animalistic selves, and to slaughter it and to dedicate it to heaven on high. And when someone does a transgression, a transgression that had they done it willfully, it would result in karace, in the degree of severity known as disenfranchisement, where their soul kind of loses its connection to its roots. If they do it accidentally, they must bring this sacrifice and thereby mend the spiritual damage that was brought about by that transgression. Now, the Sefer Chinuch tells us that there are three different mitzvos, three exceptions to this rule. There are three transgressions that were we to violate them, we would have the punishment of kares, but when done accidentally, they do not result in mitzvah number 121, an individual uh, sin offering, and they are as follows. Number one, blasphemy. Blasphemy is a violation that carries with it the weight of kares. But because it is an inaction, it's not, a, it's not an action, it's just a speech, just words, speech does not carry with it the penalty of a sin offering when done accidentally. Number one. Number two, if someone refrains from circumcision, circumcision It's a performative mitzvah. 
It's the first mitzvah we do with our children. It's the first mitzvah given to Abraham. And if someone doesn't do that, they are dissociated from the Jewish people and they are disenfranchised. But because this is a performative act that you just withhold from doing, this is a violation of inaction. That does not carry with it the weight and the penalty of a sin offering when done accidentally. Similarly, if someone withholds, with refrains from offering a pastoral sacrifice, because that, again, is inaction, even though that carries the penalty of kares, when they do it accidentally, they do not receive the punishment of having to bring a sin offering when it's done accidentally. Now, there are more exceptions but those are not completely absolved from a sacrifice. There are some other instances where there, where people have to bring a variable sacrifice, which we will yet discuss. But these are the only three examples that there is no sacrifice at all. Now, we talk about the concept of kares. There are 43 different violations that talk about kares. It's uh, the full list contains some pretty gnarly sins. The majority of them relate to illicit sexual activity. There are 26 sexual crimes. I don't want to go through them because it's kind of gnarly. Like if someone, God forbid, sleeps with their mother or their stepmother or their grandmother, really awful things, their daughter, really terrible stuff here uh, that are featured in the list, if you want to read the whole list, you can find it in Rambam, in the book of, uh, of when he talks about the laws of, of Kares. Besides for these 26 sexual misdeeds, there are 17 other crimes. Again, very, very severe crimes, uh, including uh, giving over from your children to Molech, where you, they, they do child sacrifice, all kinds of terrible things, um, violating the Shabbos, doing idolatry, etc. There's a whole list. Uh, eating chalev, uh, for example, any one of these 43 transgressions, when done accidentally, inadvertently, they would incur this mitzvah, mitzvah number 121, which is an individual sin sacrifice. Now, some of the laws of this mitzvah, before we get to the communal sin sacrifice, it has to be inadvertent from beginning to end. So this is interesting. Sometimes... A transgression has a start, has a middle, and has an end. So if someone does a full transgression, they have to be in the state of lack of awareness of what they're doing, either because they don't know it's Shabbos or they don't know that it's prohibited. That has to encompass the beginning, the middle, and the end. But if they have a moment of lucidity, they lift something up in the public domain and they transport it to the private domain and they deposit it in the private domain and before they finish the violation, they realize, oh no, it's Shabbos and they conclude the violation because it wasn't inadvertent from beginning to end that would not qualify for this mitzvah 121 which is the individual sin sacrifice. Now, again, we could probably spend, if we wanted to go through every permutation, every example, we might be able to spend the whole semester just on this mitzvah 
and it gets very, very detailed, but we're trying to cover just the snapshot, just the, just the big picture, just to get a flavor of the mitzvah to understand, you know, the big picture. But I'll, I'll, get, I'll get you into some of the advanced discussions. All sorts of scenarios of when someone repeats the transgression many times. So if someone's not aware of Shabbos and they plow and they plant and they, they trim and they do all sorts of violations on Shabbos, because there's only one lapse, it's only one violation. But in the event the person becomes aware in between, and there's like a, there's, they're not aware of Shabbos and then they become aware of Shabbos and then they, they, they become not aware again and so on, they would occur, incur a new sacrifice for every instance of inadvertent violation. So this is Mitzvah number 121, which is the individual sin sacrifice. But Mitzvah number 120 is a different idea. The communal sin sacrifice, when the community, when the whole nation or the majority of the nation commit a crime, and specifically when the crime was the result of a mistake in the ruling of the Grand Sanhedrin. The Grand Sanhedrin, that is comprised of 71 justices. This is an institution that was founded by Moshe, and it lasted for thousands of years. And this was the highest court in the land. And if they render an incorrect ruling, they give an errant ruling that ruling was adopted, was followed by the public. So now we have an instance where the whole public, or the majority of the public, they have chosen to follow the Grand Sanhedrin in their ruling. In that case, the community is obligated to bring a series of sacrifices, which is mitzvah number 120, which is the communal sin Sacrifices. Now, again, the, there's many criteria for this to be true. It has to again be involving one of these very severe transgressions, the 43 different transgressions that involve the severity of kares. And everyone or the majority of people in the land of Israel have to follow their errant ruling. Now, the Sefer Chinuch which is, again, the book that's guiding us through the mitzvos. he offers a very interesting rationale. And again, he follows this principle. Sacrifices are there to help recalibrate who we are and what we're living for. And there are really two purposes with a sacrifice. It's to suppress one half of the forces operating within us, our penchant for desire and for lust and for physicality and animalistic agenda. That we want to suppress. But our intellectual and spiritual, our higher selves, that we want to augment, that we want to elevate. And when someone makes a mistake, that is a reflection of a imbalance in their decision-making their intellect, their spiritual selves is, is weakened, is diminished, is not operating at full capacity. And it needs to be strengthened. So they go to the temple. And what's in the temple? 
That's the place where the experience of God is most palpable. It's the house of intellect. It's the house of spirituality. It's the house of the soul. And they bring a sacrifice. And the sacrifice and that location are all designed to help elevate our spiritual and intellectual selves. And the whole nation does it. Their representatives. And the hope is that they take this message to heart. It's not just do the sacrifice, click that ritual, done, move on to the next thing. The objective is to cleanse and to refine and to elevate and to ensure that these mistakes don't happen going forward. That the sacrifice should actually achieve its aim of preventing future mistakes. Now, he goes through many examples of when this would apply and when this would not apply. When you have an instance where the court rules inaccurately and the people follow their ruling. In that instance, the individual transgressor, just to use the example, let's say the the Sanhedrin gives a ruling that you're allowed to plant on Shabbos. And people say, okay, well, you light a plant on Shabbos. That's what Sanhedrin ruled. This is obviously an example that would never happen, but just for the sake of understanding. People follow the ruling. The whole nation follows the ruling, God forbid. Every individual transgressor is not obligated to bring a sin sacrifice. But the court, the community, is, in fact, on the hook. Now, there are various different courts in the land. There are courts comprised of three justices. There are courts comprised of 23 justices. And then there's the Grand Sanhedrin. One court comprised of 71 justices. The only instance where such a sacrifice will be necessary is if the mistake was born out of the Grand Sanhedrin comprised of 71 justices. Not only that, the chief justice, the Avbazin, the head of the court, must be present at the time of this ruling. You know, if he's on vacation or sabbatical, they may have a stand-in, but the stand-in will not trigger this mitzvah. And all members of the Sanhedrin must be qualified. Now, I think it's mitzvah number 491 in many, many mitzvahs from now. We'll learn about the qualifications of a member of the Sanhedrin, but there are a myriad of requirements that these people must fulfill before they are eligible. So as an example, the law is that if someone, God forbid, is childless, or they have children, but they're a eunuch, or they're very old, or they're blind, or they're a convert, or a halachic bastard, Those are six examples of people that will be disqualified from being a member of the Sanhedrin. And there are various reasons. We'll talk about that when we get to it, please God, in the future. But there are various different reasons why these will be disqualifications. But suppose you have a a court and there's 71 justices and one of them is not qualified. One of them really is disqualified to be such a member of, of of such a court. Then the court's ruling will not trigger this particular law. This will not be a communal sin offering. Now, even if 
this decision was not unanimous. It was the majority who followed, who, who made this uh, in, incorrect ruling. That will be enough to trigger this law. Now, there are some details about that. If the majority renders the ruling and the minority is actually correct, they realize there's a mistake that's happening, but they keep their mouth shut. They don't voice their objections. In that instance, they would not be required to be in the sacrifice. Why? Because the Sanhedrin did not operate as intended. But if they did render their offering and it was not adhered to, in that instance, the court would be mandated to bring this sin offering. Now, they have to be explicit in their ruling. So, let's say there's a court case being held in the Sanhedrin, the grand supreme court of the land, and everyone could see how things are trending, and they already begin to adopt the pattern of behavior that they think is going to be ruled, but there was never an explicit ruling that this is permitted, then that would not qualify. It has to be publicly declared that Sanhedrin thus rules this is permitted, when in fact it is prohibited. In that case, a par helam davar shal tzibur, as it's known in Hebrew, a communal sin sacrifice would be necessary. The Jews in Israel, the majority, or everyone, has to be misled in this fashion. And the people have to be, in fact, misled. So if, if a person, if a person realizes that there's a mistake, they know. And they say, well, listen, I don't rule, so I can follow the ruling. That person would be individually obligated. Why? Because you have to be misled. He wasn't misled. And even though there is a rule that the Sanhedrin, the grand Sanhedrin must be hearkened to, even if they tell you something which is wrong, even if they tell you the right is left and left is right, that's only after someone presents their case to the Sanhedrin. But if he knows that they're wrong and does not raise his objections, and he does nonetheless, then you cannot blame the court, or at least they're not entirely to blame, and this Sacrifice is not applicable. This is a sacrifice that's only applicable when the people were misled and they were misled by their leaders, by the Grand Sanhedrin. In that case, we have to rectify it with this mitzvah, mitzvah number 120, the sin sacrifice of the public. Another criterion, the only instance where this is true, where this sacrifice is obligatory, is if there's a partial repudiation of a law. If there's a total repudiation of the law, then this mitzvah does not apply. It has to be that they accept the law in their errant ruling, but partially there's an element, there's an aspect of the law that they get wrong. And the reason for this, Sefer HaChinuch tells us, it's a scriptural decree this last criterion, that it's only partial repudiation, not total repudiation of a law that incurs this sacrifice, that is a decree of Scripture. 
But the Sefer HaChinuch says, I'll give you my reason. Maybe there's a reason for this as well. If the Sanhedrin is so incompetent that they render a ruling that completely uproots an entire mitzvah in the Torah, that is something that will definitely be discovered. You can't have a situation where an entire mitzvah gets rejected, gets repudiated, not just the detail, the entire thing gets repudiated and no one notices. And it will definitely be noticed before the majority of the nation transgresses and therefore this would not incur the following mitzvah. Now, the way it's actually done is that every tribe offers a sacrifice. There's actually 12 different animals that are sacrificed because this is a communal blunder and every element, every aspect, every tribe of the nation does their part. And just to get in the weeds a little bit, there are differences between the types of sacrifices that are offered depending on the type of sin that was given the green light by the Sanhedrin, erroneously. If the transgression was one of idolatry, then there are 12 bulls and 12 rams that are offered as well, or 12 goats. Whereas by other transgressions, there are no goats, just the bulls. If even one of these conditions are unmet, then the individual brings a sacrifice, but not the public. So these are two very interesting mitzvahs. That, again, it sounds so foreign to us because the whole idea of a sacrifice is foreign to us. And the, the, the nitty-gritty details, the minute details of all these laws, again, it sounds so foreign to us, but there are massive portions of Torah that are dedicated to this. I always make the joke that there are two people who study, two types of people who study. There's one person that like is curious about every part of the Torah. And then there are the people that say, well, halfway through Exodus, it starts talking about tabernacles and the building of the tabernacles. And then we get Leviticus and all these sacrifices and all these ritualistic laws and all these laws of purity and impurity and holiness and doesn't make any sense to us. Ah, wake me up when Leviticus ends. There are, there are different kinds of people and I'm not judging anyone. I understand the sentiment. I definitely had that feeling. Uh, years ago. But I think to, to learn about it, to get a sense of what's actually happening, to understand at least, at least, at least to have literacy, to know what the mitzvahs are and to understand them as best as we can in the time that we have and the framework that we're working in. It's, I think, interesting to know more about Torah, to be exposed to more about Torah. And hopefully that will give us a, a deeper appreciation for all corners of the Torah. Here we have it, mitzvah number 120, 121, the individual and the communal sin offerings.